If you are interested in starting your own podcast, we use Buzzsprout because it is simple and easy to use. Buzzsprout can get your show listed on every major platform while giving you the resources for a great podcast website, audio players that can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening to your podcast, and tools to promote your episodes. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and that is why over 100,000 podcasters are already subscribed to Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Following the link in our episode descriptions, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. So in return, you will receive a $20 Amazon gift card from Buzzsprout while signing up for a paid plan. Most importantly, every subscription through our link is always appreciated and helps support our show so we can continue delivering the quality content that you guys listen to. That being said, back to the show. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Junkies. I'm Andrew. This is Joe. And this time we're coming at you with another list. So usually we come at you separately. We have, you know, my list versus Joe's list. But this time we put our two great minds together and we came up with a combined list. So, I mean, obviously, if we came at it separately, we'd have, a you know, a few differences. But largely, we agreed on most things. We're power ranking all time comic creators. This is artists, you know, inkers, pencilers, writers, whoever, anybody who's been influential and in the comic game for a long time time or you know not long at all just who we think are the most influential and you know are some of our personal favorites uh we're gonna go through the list 10 through 1 the bottom to the top you'll find out who the best is and i'm sure it's no surprise but let's get right on into it joe number 10 start us off all right i had a lot of fun making this list because this this is the first time that we came together to make one consolidated list and you're right there were a few things that we may have done differently but overall i feel like we agreed on a lot of it but uh Mm -hmm. starting with number 10 is a guy named cc beck best known for his work on captain marvel which is now shazam maybe won't be on a lot of people's top 10 lists so there's quite a few people that could have been in this spot and fit it just as well. But we figure since this list was more unique to our taste at Comic Book Junkies, this dude is a huge inspiration and reason why Berger enjoys books and collects. So um, yeah, we right. figure if we're going to take a flyer on 10, um, it should be somebody that's kind of unique to us. Yeah, Joe was kind enough to allow me to include CeCe Beck because, you know, this list wouldn't feel genuine if I left my boy off the list. I would say he's criminally underrated as a creator. As Joe mentioned, he's not going to be on most people's top 10. I mean, there's much more mainstream people who have influential things. But I mean, CeCe Beck, this is back, you know, when things were just popping off. This is one of the OGs from the golden age. And I mean, he was a, you know, he was kind of a company guy. I mean, he didn't work for DC or Marvel really at all. I I mean, maybe he, you know, in the Bronze Age, he might have got a little run when they revived Shazam. But this is the original co-creator of Captain Marvel, the original. And I mean, I feel like he deserves a bit more respect than he deserves because, I mean, you can say that, you know, Shazam was or Captain Marvel, Shazam, who whatever you want to call him, is kind of a Superman ripoff in a way. But I think there were stark differences, especially like the whimsical way he was written, you know, the most things at the time. 
And I mean, he outsold Superman in his heyday. Um, I mean, that's no small feat. So I think that that alone deserves a lot of credit because you have to be a good creator if you're creating comics that are outselling the gold standard. And I mean, he even created a character that was the uh, he was the first comic book superhero to be adapted to film Um, that came out in 1941. It was a Republic picture serial, The Adventures of Captain Marvel. So, I mean, you can say that it's with movies to a degree there, but there's a lot of cool stuff that has gone on with this creator. And while he's mostly been associated and stuck with just Captain Marvel, he's basically just a Fawcett comics guy. And, you know, that's kind of what he did and just kept his head down. And, you know, when Fawcett went under you know he did a little bit of stuff after that but i mean he really helped usher in like a big wave of popularity for superhero comics starting the golden age so i think he firmly deserves top 10 in my opinion most people will disagree but yeah i mean we can get right on to nine i'm unless you got anything else to say about my boy cc no that's you said it nicely that's your guy so going to number nine might have not been on burgers list but grant morrison wrote my all-time favorite comic book all-star superman So I had to put him on this list. Pretty big impact writing Batman in the 90s and run on Animal Man and Miracle Man are just iconic. Not only that, but he also did work for Marvel and had a pretty popular run on X-Men. So sometimes I find that less is more, but an out of the box thinker. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's known for his signature, uh, you know, like nonlinear narratives. Like he'll just be writing kind of like abstract stories. And then at the end, it all kind of ties in together really nicely is something that's kind of like a, a signature trait of his you know his humanist philosophy he's pretty counterculture at the same time he's always been against the grain um that's really evident in his doom patrol run we talk about well not so much us specifically but you know there's a lot of talk nowadays about diversity and inclusion in comics and you know grant was ahead of the curve on that danny the street is a glaring example and you know there's plenty of other characters whether it's mental health you know sexuality you know anything like that grant always wrote that in like a very normal way i guess you know it didn't feel like it was in your face it just felt like part of the story so he well they are you know a master uh you know writer in a way like you've said there's a lot of great stories that they've done namely all-star superman i mean it's one of the best comic stories period probably the best superman story and then not just as batman in the 90s and stuff like that but i mean his later run you know introducing damien doing all of that i mean we love damien wayne so there's so much that they've done and uh while Joe is kind of right, maybe they wouldn't be on my top 10 necessarily. They wouldn't be far off. Big Grant Morrison fans, I agree. All right. So going to number eight, it's another one of my guys, another person that may not have made Burgers List, but Chris Claremont, he made the 80s men everything we know and love, giving us both Days of Future Past and the Dark Phoenix Saga. When taking over X-Men, he introduced a lot of new and complex themes, but he also introduced a lot of like powerful female characters, giving a voice to characters that were kind of otherwise unheard. In a sense, he kind of gave the X-Men a new life by using them as an outlet to tackle social and political issues, but also kind of stuff that's in line with or reflects the civil rights era. So Chris Claremont, 
at a pretty unique and distinguished time for uh, Marvel Comics. Yeah, and I mean, everything that you've said, I mean, we could go through the list of characters he created, but that would add like good 10 minutes to the pod. But I mean, he's also the guy responsible for making Wolverine into what he is today, not just the X-Men, which I mean, was like borderline going to be a canceled title. They were just doing reprints for like 40 issues during the Silver Age into the Bronze Age. That was a dead title. And then he came back and he made it what it is. And I mean, like I was mentioning before, specifically, he gave a lot of that character development to Wolverine. Wolverine because I mean he wasn't always popping off he was kind of a side character that you know showed up in Hulk one day and uh, Chris Claremont really gave him the characterization that we see now and then just other than that I mean like you said he may not have been on my list but there's just a certain sales fact that he was a co-writer on the best-selling comic book of all time X-Men 1 from the 90s that he co-wrote with Jim Lee it literally has a Guinness World Record Uh, so I mean you got to be doing something right and you definitely deserve respect 17 years years straight on a title no one has ever done that for x-men and probably no other titles this dude just wrote x-men until he couldn't go well said dude moving to number seven this is a guy that burger pulls hard for oh i lobbied heavy slept on this is another guy i don't think would be on a lot of top 10 lists because most of his success was in the golden age and silver age but he helped create too many characters for dc to not get some respect from comic book junkies he is the backbone of dc comics in my opinion for sure dude some of the characters he helped create include barbara gordon the original flash hawkman dr fate zatanna so you could tell he has a strong background in sci-fi and we see that in his contributions in like the justice society but he's also the first to mention a multiverse to dc comics when jay garrick and barry allen meet in the flash which is cool knowing that he is the sci-fi guy yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's written more than 4,000 comic stories total um, and 1,500 of them just for DC Comics. I mean, he introduced basically all the first of all the major DC teams. I mean, the first Justice Society of America. Then he later recreated them as the Justice League of America. So think about that. Not only did he make a bunch of cool core characters, but he also made the coolest team ups like in comics. And like you said, he also introduced the concept of the multiverse that it's huge. I mean, look at Marvel right now. I mean, he didn't even really fuck with them like that. And they have a whole saga called the Multiverse Saga for their movies right now. The Multiverse is a great concept. And I mean, some people might not even know this. He also led to the creation of the Batarang and Batman's utility belt. This dude literally touched everything. It's undeniable. If you're a D- he's basically the Stanley of DC Comics, but you know, without like the over the top promotion. So, I mean, most people may not know Gardner Fox, especially because he is so rooted in the golden early silver age. But I mean, who's really doing it better? The dude wrote over 4000 comics and like all of those characters he made are just bangers. Most of our favorites. Yeah, coming from a strong silver age background, definitely had to put him into our list. But going into these next six, these next six are kind of undeniable. I feel like these guys should be on everybody's lists so uh starting with number six we got neil adams neil adams brought us the bronze age of dc comics and 
forever changed the look of the comic industry. I'm very fortunate that Berger gave me a signed copy of Rosal Ghoul's first appearance. Very sweet Neil Adams cover. Unfortunately, passed away not too long ago, but his style was very realistic and he was one of the best in the industry when it came to making covers for comic books. Some of my favorite comic book covers are Neil Adams books. And you can definitely see that in his contributions on like the Green Lantern, Green Arrow team up. Neil is also known to be a good writer. So I definitely think he deserves to be on every top 10 list. I agree. He, you know, he kind of revolutionized or, you know, he kind of did like a soft like rebrand of comic books in the Bronze Age, as you mentioned, because, you know, we had Batman in the 60s. You know, he had the goofy TV show with Adam West. It was campy as all hell. And, you know, that was fun. I still like campiness in my Batman, but he introduced a more like mature, realistic tone that like we're more accustomed to. Uh, I mean, Frank Miller took it to a different level, but Neil kind of brought Batman back to Earth as as he did with, you know, Green Lantern and Green Arrow. I mean, he wrote the well, he, you know, was drawing those classic like the speedy drug story. And, you know, he brought a lot of real realistic concepts to like these characters that, you know, weren't really being done before. But I mean, you know, he created Ra's al Ghul, Man Bat, Jon Stewart. He was just creating all kinds of cool stuff that we know and love today. And on top of that, he was really big for creators in general, for creators rights for the most part. Um, I mean, he even helped secure like a pension and recognition for uh, the creators of Superman, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. So, you know, he really loved comics, obviously. And he thought that, you know, everyone should get their fair share, you know, for what they contributed. And, uh, you know, he's one of the all times. It was cool to meet him. Uh, It was only one time I got a couple books signed. One I gave to Joe. I have a signed man bat myself, but I mean, he's a legend and he just rules, dude. Couldn't have said it better. Number five, we got my guy, Alan Moore. He's my all-time favorite writer in comic books. Very weird, peculiar guy. Very smart, but there's no denying his catalog that includes, but not limited to, Watchmen, which made Time Magazine's all-time 100 graphic novels list, uh, V for Vendetta, Batman the Killing Joke, a solid run on Swamp Thing, Superman, Miracle Man. So his writing's unique to everything I've read and creates stories that kind of transcend the medium. He brings a serious subject matter that introduced a maturity to comic books that wasn't really obvious prior to him. And his stories hold the test of time because they appeal to non-comic book fans, which kind of separates him from most. Yeah, I agree. My fiance, Jazz, she is a big Alan Moore fan, and she doesn't even necessarily know the guy. I mean, I was able to shed a little light on that, but most people that aren't big into superheroes, I mean, Alan Moore's not even that into superheroes. Pretty sure he hates them. But she loves Watchmen and V for Vendetta. And, you know, those are very accessible. I mean, he even did the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which that movie was something else. But, you know, he did a lot. I mean, this was also a time when there was kind of like the British invasion of, you know, comic writing, you know, kind of when Neil Gaiman and uh, people like that started to come over. I mean, even Grant Morrison, you know, wasn't too far off from that time. But, you know, he was basically the biggest one to do it, too. He was the first comics writer living in Britain to do prominent work in America, because a lot of those guys were working on stuff like 2000 AD and stuff like that, trying to break their way in. And so did he. But, you know, he got picked up by DC Comics and he really did change the game. It's undeniable, regardless of where he stands on his own work or, you know, the state of comics right now. uh, He's an all time creator, regardless of if you like him or not. Perfect. Hot take with number four, Stan Lee. No denying he's a legend. 
And the Marvel Universe wouldn't be what it is without him. By far the most iconic name in comic book history. He has touched almost everything good that Marvel ever did, including Hulk, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Thor, Iron Man, the X-Men. So I really appreciate the attention he's brought to the comic book genre. Although I don't think he's the best writer on this list, he was a creative storyteller in the way that he decided to focus his stories around contemporary issues or like the characters' personalities and emotions. So he had a good way of making every character unique from the other. So very innovative, very good storyteller had a lot of really good ideas and was very marketable. So I appreciate everything he brought to Marvel and the attention that he bring to comic books. Yeah, I mean, there's not even too much more I could really add past this one. I mean, he literally just rose through the ranks of uh, family run business for him. It was formerly timely when he got a start. It became Marvel. And he, from there, he just put it on his back. As you mentioned, anything that you like at Marvel was made or touched by him. I mean, he was literally the primary creative leader for over two decades. So anything that ran through Marvel went through Stanley. And, you know, regardless of, you know, his writing skills or anything like that, he was a master promoter, the ultimate salesmanship. Excelsior is like a fucking like trademark phrase. And it's just something a comic creator says. I mean, the guy was larger than life. There's no denying. I mean, you know, his talent and, you know, his contributions, regardless of anything. But yeah, I guess, you know, it could be considered a hot take for him to be as low as four. I'm sure most people have him at one or two. But this is our list, not yours. Sorry. Not sorry. So people might get heated when they hear number three, but nothing but love. George Perez, this is a dude that did a lot of great work for the big two, but is known for being involved in some of the most iconic stories in DC comics, like Crisis on Infinite Earths and the Judas Contract. He forever put his stamp on the Teen Titans and helped put together the only cohesive Wonder Woman story origin I've ever read. So <laughs> He also worked on the Infinity Gauntlet, which proves that he was one of the best when it came to working on events and other stories that are complex or feature a lot of different characters so his approach was very nuanced and disciplined and it showed in his body of work and he'll forever be a legend somebody who doesn't get enough recognition yeah i mean r.i.p to him he also passed this year i believe right which is very unfortunate. One of our all-time faves. Like you, Joe, said, like the new Teen Titans, he, you know, teaming up with Marv Wolfman and creating that was huge influence on, I believe, both of us, but me especially, because that was like one of the deeper, you know, seated like roots of me enjoying comic books. He created one of my all-time favorite characters in Deathstroke, the Terminator. And I mean, just those pencils, dude, it's like an iconic like house style. They're always clean. They always look amazing. It's just like I'm never upset to like read or you know see anything that George Perez has done he's just like kind of the he's a gold standard of quality in my opinion when he's on a book it looks good and yeah I mean he worked for both companies and did great things on everything he touched and like you said he was very influential in like both of the early major events Infinity Gauntlet and Crisis you know it's kind of crazy that one guy did both he rules word so some people might think we got this next guy is a little overrated but he's not <laughs> damn straight steve ditko anytime you think of spider-man you think of steve ditko every time you think of spider-man's all-time greatest villains green goblin dr octopus craven the hunter you think steve ditko 
He's an OG, and I believe him to be the major contributor behind creating Spider-Man. So he's a lot of the reason why Marvel characters look the way they do. And you can feel a lot of emotion in his artwork, especially in his characters' expressions. His work has sci-fi and horror elements to it, but his art style is so surreal. And he brings so much attention to detail in the backgrounds. And you can see that in um, his artwork on Doctor Strange. I read that he's a very intelligent guy and a well-studied artist. And I also read that he was a bit of a recluse and would decline interviews because it's his art that he offers and not his personality. So somebody that doesn't get enough attention, especially for creating one of, if not the best character in comic books. So thank you for everything Steve Ditko was brought to the comic book medium. Yeah, and I mean, not only did he, you know, introduce us to Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, but the guy left Marvel Comics in, the, I believe, 1966 for unclear reasons, whether it was like creative spat or something else. He ended up going over to Charlton in D.C. and doing a lot of work. That includes like a revamp of the long running character, the Blue Beetle. He revamped that, introduced us to the question, Creeper, Shade the Changing Man and Hawk and Dove. So, you know, once he kind of built the pillars of Marvel, he ended up coming over to DC. And while they aren't as major characters, um, he ended up making really cool lasting characters that I know that we both enjoy. And the art, like obviously any of these guys on our top 10 are our favorites, but you really can't beat it. And uh, people will say that, you know, the medium's changed and people are doing great today. But I'll be real with you. The art today doesn't hold a candle to what these guys were doing back in the 60s. And God, I wish we could go back. Right. It's so much different and it's not bad, but it's not the same. But moving to our number one, which should be the number one on anybody's list. If this were a race, it wouldn't even be close. This dude is the king of innovation in comic books, which is why he's my all-time number one and Burger's all-time number one. Evident by more than a half a century or more of incredible work in the industry, I read that when he was drafted for World War II, he was asked to make enough comics to satisfy his absence. So this dude's a workhorse. He's self-taught creator and an inspiration to generations of comic book artists and readers. So his imagination and artwork forever shaped Marvel and DC, but his ability to create and co-create so many cool characters and worlds and stories just blows my mind. His name is usually synonymous with Stanley, but I feel like he's definitely proved he's writer proof and uh, has a track record that dates all the way back to his co-creation of Captain America for Timely Comics, which later became Marvel Comics. So not only does this make him the godfather of Marvel, but he also came to DC later on in his career to give us Darkseid and the New Gods. He's my all-time favorite comic book artist because his ability to capture so much power and motion in his art. And I think even non-comic book fans would appreciate how dynamic his artwork is and how cool his covers are. So it's impressive that he found a way to stay relevant from the golden age through the bronze age and never missing even on smaller characters like Commandi or Mr. Miracle. So that dude's the goat. He doesn't miss. He's the all-time greatest artist in comics, and you can't change my opinion on that. I mean, just from the scale, like just the grand scale of the things he would draw, the detail, you know, just the lasting influence of how he drew, like the Kirby dots and stuff like that, like you'd see in the Fantastic Four. And I mean, there was like a, a little bit of like a blockiness in its nature, but it's like the charm of it. It was just so cool, and it did 
didn't matter what character he drew. It always was the coolest thing ever. And, you know, even today, it's unparalleled. Nobody can top what he's done. The concepts, the ideas, the guy executed them, too. You know, like you said, when he went to D.C., uh, he was writer and artist for like his series, uh, Commandi, all that. He was the brain behind all of it, everything that was plotted out. And then, I mean, he created one of our favorite all time villains in Darkseid. There's just no one doing it like him. And there probably never, ever will be that there was a time and place and he exemplified it. R.I.P. to the true goat of comics. But God, do we miss him, man, because comics were just hitting different. And even going back through like that's what I collect now, dude, is just anything with Kirby in it, DC or Marvel, because it hits the best. You know what I'm saying? When you're flipping through a box and you got a whole bunch of Kirby goodness in front of you, what feels better? Nothing, dude. Absolutely. The reason why comic books, the reason why they are how they are, dude, there's a reason that they even got as popular as they did. And it was, you know, the Silver Age and it was him. Well, you know, Stan, too, and obviously all the rest of our creators. But I mean, he he was the gold standard for everything. You couldn't really ask like he would be the get to do a book and everything he touched turned to gold. What's crazy is a lot of these guys on our list are no longer with us. But when making this list, I'm sure there were a lot of guys that we really wanted to uh, fit on here. So John Byrne would have been one of mine. Do you have any honorable mention burgers? (laughs) Yeah, I had I got a whole list. I'll just run through real quick. We could just discuss them openly if you want. But I mean, like we got to give respect to Carmine Infantino. He was a close one on both of our lists here. I mean, there's a strong chance he could have took cc Beck's spot but let's just be real that's my boy i'm not leaving him off but carmine infantino would probably be the agreed 10 if we were to go through and redo it he was very influential to a lesser degree uh these guys rule but you know don't have the same uh weight that the other guys do in my opinion we got bill everett uh remita senior uh, we got Murphy Anderson. And then as one of the more uh, modern guys, I even put Alex Ross on there just because I'm never disappointed by Alex Ross. But I mean, those guys are cool, but that there's a reason they're honorable mentions and they're not in the top 10. Yeah, I thought about guys like Dave Gibbons and Jeff Johns, Garth Ennis, uh, even Todd McFarlane, Ed Brubaker, Frank Miller. There's so many guys, you know, so it's hard. But uh, between the two of us, we're comfortable locking in those top 10 and I hope you guys enjoyed our list. Yeah. I would like to know if you guys have any disagreements or who you think is, uh, you know, if the ranking should be different or if there's somebody we miss completely that absolutely deserves it. But do you want to hit them with what we're going to do next time, Joe? Yeah. So we touched on it a little bit in our last episode, but we're going to kind of have an end of summer episode with uh, my brother Juan. Reflect on some of the pickups we've gotten recently. Uh, We all have some crazy comic book stories that have happened to us in the recent past. So we're excited to share those with you. Even today, I was cataloging some books and I found out I have the first Simon Baz. It's like a $5 book, so it's no big deal, but it was cool to find like a near mint copy in my collection randomly from years of just picking up random stuff so stuff like that we're going to touch on 
and maybe even a little bit of the news from uh, everything that came out of San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. And with that, I mean, I'm very excited for that one. As Joe said, we've all been picking up books like Fiends lately, even though we all tell ourselves we're not supposed to. We still keep doing it. It's just, you know, it's habits. We're forces in nature. But if you want to hit us up, go to CBJ Pod on Instagram, CBJ Podcast on Facebook, or just search us as Comic Book Junkies. You'll see our logo. That's where you'll find us. We have a YouTube if you want to check that out. We're available on all podcast platforms. You obviously know that if you're listening to us, but if you'd be so kind, you could spread the word, spread the news uh, with anybody you're friends with, people you're not friends with. Yell it at a stranger. I don't care. Go on and rate us. Subscribe. Download an episode. Delete the episode. Redownload it. Do what you got to do, man. But uh, if not, we appreciate you just for listening. So you don't really got to do anything if you don't want to. And yeah. All right. Appreciate you. We'll catch you next time.